The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. I mean, what the DPB gang doesn't necessarily get to see is the fact that, or we were scheduled to record at right, 10. and it's ten twenty three now, and it's because we're just catching up. Um, I'm sitting down with Glenn Pash, CEO of PCG Digital. Um, he's on the heels of another fantastic event, Modern Retailing Conference that mm-hmm. they just held in Florida. They do two events uh, annually. I went to the one earlier this year, 2022 at time of recording in Napa, which was phenomenal. Didn't get to attend modern retailing that just happened. And I'm a little bit bummed about it. We're going to talk about that in a bit. And I have a point blank question that I want to ask Glenn today. Uh, But for those of you that may not be familiar with Glenn, I don't know how that would be possible. Glenn is somebody who I can always, always, always text or call and get sound solid advice. He's, he's one of those few that are in my, my pinned text messages on my phone. Cause I just know it's, he, he always gives good sound, reliable information. And so, you know, it, it was a no brainer to invite him back onto the dealer playbook. Glenn, thanks so much for joining me again. Oh, it is absolute honor anytime. And, and I feel exactly the same way. We have called each other multiple times. I think a lot of times you and I feel we've, we've mentioned this to each other. We're, we're on similar paths. You know, our companies are similar size. We, Every time I'm reaching out to you, you're saying, yeah, I just went through that or vice versa because we're on that similar path. So, yes, I'm honored to be here. Always a great time to chat with you with, with a major slight difference, though. I have never been a stage actor hmm. um, and you have all sorts of experience <laughs> and I'm sure stories that at some point we need to pry out of you. Yeah. Didn't you live in. You, you you acted in the UK, didn't you? I did. I lived in London for almost a year. And uh, the the acting group that I was with in New York City, the person who ran it went to school in London. And so his teacher had a small group. So we went and we merged. So we had Americans and uh, you know some English actors working on different types of shows. So it was great. A lot of fun. Any singing? Uh, uh, yes, but more group singing. I have a loud voice, big voice, not the most <laughs> pleasant the for chorus. solo. Yes, put me in the back, and I'll fill, and I can, I, I can do that. <laughs> Don't put me in Ooh, front. That's the best. <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, for for those listening, I want to kind of get to the heart of the matter because he, here we are into another recession. And of course, longtime listeners on the show know I'm not a fear mongerer. I am a let's let's just rip the bandaid off so we can talk about it objectively and move on to solutions. Mm-hmm. We know what happens as two marketing agency owners. We know what happens anytime there's a recession, the dealer wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, uh, you, you know, anything. And that is the the age old question now. 
I feel like I need to cut something in my marketing budget. What should I cut? How do I identify it? And what I want to ask you point blank is, should dealers be cutting their marketing budget? No, is the simplest answer. Reallocating resources? Yes. So to your point, it's not even just recession, because even if you look over the last two years when things were going wonderfully, right? I think, right. I think business owners, or in this case, dealerships uh, and dealers, whenever there's extremes on either end, it sort of locks you into inaction or taking things for granted. Uh, when things were good over these last few years, Sometimes people didn't want to look at their marketing and dive in as deeply uh, because, well, we're making money. It must be working. Um, now that we're coming into a, a time period where rates are going up, um, inventory levels are starting to come back in some way, used car prices are coming down. So there's outside forces that are at play. I think dealers now are starting to go, wait a minute. Was my marketing really working or is it just because I had the inventory or did I not really look because things were going so well? So mm. I think it's more about reallocating based on what you're trying to accomplish uh, or based on your manufacturer uh, and your inventory levels and, and, and what you're really trying to sell. So uh, reallocation more than cutting. It's interesting you phrase it that way. It makes me think of this. Um, we were doing seminars for the um alberta dealer association years ago mm -hmm. and we kind of put together this spreadsheet it was a responsibility matrix right and it basically helped them it was a responsibility budget matrix and it would help them understand what their marketing budget was but then also what did they actually spend and it was funny right. how how oftentimes they're like how did we overspend not realizing, oh, well, you bought the box seat to the Oilers game and wrote that into your marketing budget and that wasn't planned for you put, you know, more decals on the or decals, as they say, decals, my parts. Uh, <laughs> um, and you didn't account for that. And it was it was interesting to see how many small little like de death by a thousand cuts things that were being spent and allocated to marketing budget without realizing it. But then because of those things, it, it added stress to the whole marketing ecosystem right. that, they, that they then started looking at the bigger expenditures and wondering if they should cut those Oh, my website or my inventory manager or my, you know, my SEM or SEO, like those are the things that are most noticeable that, that then therefore get the cut. Mm -hmm. Do you see something similar on your side? How do you remedy that? It, 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 it really, it's not something I think I can remedy. I think that's from a business owner because certain dealers look at things differently. You know, to your point is what should be in my marketing budget or fall into marketing? Does my CRM fall into marketing? Maybe, you know, how, how do I, uh, to your point is, does a sponsorship, uh, fall into marketing? Does a donation fall into marketing? Does X, Y. So it, it, every dealer is a little bit different, but once you have that all in, don't change it, whatever it is. Keep, keep, uh, keep that as a static metric because, you know, CRM probably is not going to go up in price. You know, some of these others may not. So you have to look at it as I, I try to box it out as saying these are fixed. 
right? So I look at it for my own company. These are fixed expenses, wherever you want to put it, put it in marketing, fine, but those are fixed. Those aren't changing. Well, what are the variable expenses? What are the levers I want to pull? Do I want to do this donation? Do I want to buy the box seat at the Oiler game? Do I need to just this one month I have to change banners and I need new signs or whatever it is. And then you can knock those out and saying these are one time versus every month. So again, one month you could look at it and say, ah, my marketing budget's out of whack. Well, but when you really decode it, you could say, well, you know, again, going back to our company, well, this month we had to pay for a booth at NADA. That's not something that's happening every month. So then when you do look at it and say, okay, these are my core marketing budget or or discretionary spend. So do I want to do a direct mail piece? Do I still want to do radio? Do I want to, you know, do more in social media advertising? So that then becomes, those are the controllable levers that you should be looking at on a monthly basis, quarterly basis versus all or nothing, because there's probably expenses in there that are swaying it that are one-time uh, expenses. Right. I feel like, you know, it's also important to maybe have your key initiatives mm-hmm. mapped out so that you can say, oh, well, if I am going to bring in this variable, mm-hmm. I'm only going to bring it in if I can see a path to how it maps to one of the core focuses that we have. So, for example, right. at our company, we have four that we're focused on right now. And to your point, which is really sound advice is, well, then I have my fixed expenditures that are always mapping. Mm-hmm. If I bring in variables, if I want to consider a new event or, uh, you know, speaking at a thing or, or running ads or whatever it might be, any of those out of the ordinary things that I'm doing, I have to be able to say, okay, guys, like which one does this map to? And if right. we can't find a path, we don't do it. It's a real simple, like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Right so I, I think the way I've explained it to some of my clients, I've been working with a few uh, marketing managers that are in dealerships and they've asked for some help. And I try to keep it very simple because w- in marketing, we all can get pulled in a million different directions. And, and the marketing manager in a dealership usually has multiple roles beyond marketing. There was one gentleman I was working with. And he was saying, I'm not sure if my marketing manager is doing a good job. When I went through what their duties were, not only were they managing the marketing and the vendors for a lot of websites, because even though they had, uh, uh, you know, let's say they had five locations or three locations, well, they had CDJR, they had all these multiple brands. But on top of that, this person also ran the BDC. So I said, whoa. That's way too much for one person to have. So what he asked me was, well, how can I, how can I, meaning him, help my marketing manager be more organized? And I said, you're, he's, he is probably trying to do things horizontally, meaning a little bit on a lot of things. And I said, I like to work more vertically. What are, to your point, what are the projects that we're working on? And so I challenge them two ways. The first way would say, if that was the only thing that you had to do, right? So if you want to run a campaign for new cars or you want to run a campaign for branding or whatever it is, and you say, that's the only thing that you have to do, nothing else. How would you do it? What tools would you use? What channels would you use? What would the cost be? I said, then you, and if you start doing that for all of them, 
then you can see where you are in pacing for each of those. But instead of trying to do horizontally or try to do one thing across all. The second thing is I said to them, there's three buckets that I like to focus on for marketing, especially for dealerships. One is evergreen. That's your branding. Why should I buy from Mike Cirillo, Mercedes Benz? Right. right. That should always be happening. A little bit of your budget or, or a large percent, depending what your messaging is. But that has to always happen. Then the second bucket is you touched on it previously is what I call seasonal. Right. So if, if you have these mile posts throughout the year, we always have a big July 4th. Maybe your store doesn't. July 4th isn't really big or Black Friday or end of year or whatever it is. Or, you know, to your point is we always support the football or we always have a car show at whatever it is. Then you can start planning one for the extra variable course costs. But more importantly, you can plan ahead knowing I have to come there. Then the third bucket is targeted. Those are the things like you were saying. We're running. We need to focus on these new cars. We have to focus on service. We're running a tire campaign. We're running this campaign. And then you can say, okay, that's a cost associated with this, but here's the objective. But once you throw everything in those three buckets, then, as you were saying before, everything, my decisions can map to it to say, well, if we're going to do targeted, it's going to cost this. Do we want to do it? Yes or no. But that shouldn't take away from, I always still need to be doing the evergreen and it might tie into a seasonal. And maybe you say, well, I don't want to double up or maybe I do. But this way, when you have those three buckets, it's easier for you as a manager or someone who's overseeing or as a dealer principal to ask questions about all those three buckets every single month, every quarter. And not everything's going to map to leads, right? We we have a lead zombie issue, not just in this industry. I think most industries, if you need to make money to survive and thrive, you're worried about how do I get more opportunities to sell? But in the context of automotive, it's like, but did it generate a lead? And so right. as you're talking about evergreen, I think it's really important to note that we need to get off this. Did it produce a lead concept and start thinking about, um, you know, like a, like a tapestry mm-hmm. isn't one thread. It's multiple threads combined that when you finally take a step back, you see what the tapestry design is. You know, the branding stuff may not be the most easy path to connect the dots between you did the evergreen branding to a lead, but that's not to suggest that it didn't work, that it no. didn't help shape the consumer. Well, opinion. no one, so, if they don't know who you are, right. Yeah. Our team came up with this, not me, but uh, they said, you can't get to the bottom of the funnel until you get into the top of the funnel. <laughs> right. So you can't. So the awareness of who you are. And so again, if you think about, Just what you're saying is not everything is lead. Why? Because we don't want to give our information out. But if you look at just very simply for those listening, if you just ask if you're the marketing manager or if you're a dealer listening to this, just ask your marketing person, how many people came to our website this month, last month? How many people filled out a form? It's going to be you're going to say to yourself, one percent, two percent. If you had five percent, you'd be doing cartwheels. So there's two things. One is why do they need to give you a name to use your tool to get a price? Like in this day and age, if you still have unlock and e-price, I have no idea. Why are we putting hurdles in front of people when 
I would rather have all of the people who click the button, right? So then the second piece is look how many people click the button to fill out the lead and then actually did. You're only getting 10% of the people that clicked. Why? Because right. it's frustrating. So all this to your point is why are we making it so hard to connect with us? in the dealership. If I have a question, why do I have to wait for the answer? Nobody wants to wait nowadays for any answer. So why can't a chat pop up and talk to me? Why right. can't I get an answer? But to your point earlier is, yes, it is this awareness. There's so many people on your site shopping, they want to do it in their own time. So this idea of leads, once you really unlock that and say, I'm really only getting 10%, that's all I'm getting, 10% leads off of my website or 10% of the people who fill out a form or click that button that I want to talk to the 90%. Right. Right. Like, let me have more conversations because everyone came that that was the only way that people judged your marketing was leads. And so what did people do? They designed tricks and games to generate leads for you. Are they really interested people? Maybe, probably not. But I would say if you had 10,000 people go to your website and you had a thousand people click those buttons, they're, they're further down the funnel. They have a question, but right. now you're going, you know what, Michael, wait for a bit. When I'm ready, I'll call you. And people have moved on. They're gone nowadays. So that's forget even the marketing. That's part of it. It's what is that user experience that you have on your website? Why are you making it so frustrating? But if I don't get my leads, I blame the marketers, but yet. You're throwing a bazillion obstacles in front of people or you're not answering their questions, but easy to blame the marketer. It's like if we were to remove ourselves from this context and put ourselves into any other context, let, let's look at building a house. Mm -hmm. How do we measure the success of building a house? I mean, you could argue, well, it didn't fall over. I would okay. argue that if you built the house and it didn't have a front door, you didn't build a very a very efficient house. Mm -hmm. And what what it makes me think of, you know, as, as I'm listening to you speak is this concept of like some of your marketing, you need to categorize and say, this is the door opener. Mm -hmm. The monetization effort begins once that door is open. So to your point, like they're already on your site door open. Get out of their no, way. But, but even I take it a step back. They're, they're, right. they're on your street. They're driving mm. by your house. Right. Going, That's right. a nice looking house. And they go onto your website and they're going, oh, they have some nice cars here and everything else like that. And then they drive away and leave. It's when they come back and then they go decide to go down the funnel to say, well, now, all right, I, I have to think about a car now. Let me go there. Then it's the knock on the mm. door. And then right. are you going to open up and are we going to have a conversation about this or am I knocking on the door going, can I have a question about something and nobody answers the door nobody or it takes it. an hour or two hours or a day? Do you really think that to your point, do you think that person is going to still be on your front porch when you open the door tomorrow? Probably yeah, yeah, not. It's like we get the ring doorbell and we can see them there. Yes. But we never just let them in. We're just like, nah, nah. wait, you know. Hey, what's your name? What's but, your and, address? And, what's your and, phone number? I'm not opening the door until I get that info. It, it, and again, it, it's it's easy. And I get frustrated with some people sometimes at conferences <laughs> when they're on stage making dealers feel stupid. And and, right. and we're not. Um, that's not anyone's goal. But it is this idea of we have to start thinking about the customers 
Is it a good experience? Now, again, some people would say this is the way we've done business and this is the way it is and that's okay. But there are people that are moving away from that to make themselves available through chat, through video, whatever. When someone's there, they can start talking to them. And that's just going to be a better experience today. But they're playing the long game to say in three years, that's the only way they want to do business. And if they run across your dealership website and it's still the forms, they're just going to say, well, I feel like I'm going backwards. Nope. I'm going to go back either to the place or their expectation is that everybody should be doing it this way. Right. Yeah. I appreciate the clarification because I think too often what creates the clash between vendor dealer instead of us all looking at each other as partners is we call out. So in this context, to clarify even further, so we call out this strategy as stupid. It could be perceived that we think the dealer is stupid for deploying that strategy, but that is not the, that is not the case at all. No, we think the strategy is stupid. That has nothing well, to do with I the Well, I wouldn't dealer. even say it's stupid because as soon as you throw the word stupid out, people get defensive. <laughs> well, I don't would, get, I'm just saying don't get defensive. No, I would say it's just having a conversation of things are evolving. That's all. Right. You know, right. we now have the ability and I think that's more the conversation we had. Listen, four years ago, five years ago, no one, we may not have even had the ability to really think through that and say, wow, this is something that's evolving. One, because there's no other option. Well, it's not that there's no other option. I just don't think other outside of automotive, other industries and businesses were evolving at that pace where all of a mm. sudden, Oh, I could click this button and talk to somebody right away. It was still clunky, right? You still had to type and wait for people to respond even on chat. Now it's gotten to the point where we as, as consumers expect things fast, expect things to get our answers right away. Um, that's all we do now is whenever we have a question, we don't think we type it into Google. What is this? You know, and I want this now. And what do you mean? I can't. So think about it even from Amazon, who everyone in the past it was we got excited when they had two day shipping we were like oh my god it's gonna get here in two days now i was ordering something yesterday and they said do you want it this afternoon mm-hmm. okay you know so our expectations of speed and con- connectivity and so it's not stupid it's just we're at a pivot where we have the opportunity to discuss, should we change? Could we evolve? Do we want to evolve our processes? And you could say no, and that's okay. But there are going to be repercussions down the line because either you're going to have the, the, the 10, 20% of the, you know, people who are doing it, they're going to have success. Eventually the manufacturer is going to say, you all have to do this. So why wouldn't you want to do it at your own pace to ask questions and build your team and maybe be out ahead of it? Because eventually the manufacturers are going to say, that's a better experience for my customers. Okay, everybody, y'all have to do it. And they may force something on you that you don't like, but you did have the opportunity to at least get started on your own terms. Maybe they do force a tool down. Maybe they tell you, but you're already going, yeah, I've already thought this through. So I know how to do this. So that's where it is. It's not stupid. It's just, are you someone who's constantly looking to evolve your processes? And I think we're at a point where I think it has to happen 
Um, and why would you want to be left behind? Because there's probably someone in your market who's already doing it and you don't realize yet that it will start impacting your ability to do business because they're going to the faster and easier place. A perfect segue into some key takeaways from your event, Modern Retailing Conference. You just had Mm -hmm. it at time of recording in November of 2022. You just got back, Mm -hmm. um, sold out. So congratulations, first and foremost. Thank you. Thank you. That is not an easy thing to do. No, it's Um, not. So the fact that you filled that room, standing room only, but, but like not other conference speaker who's excited and only has 10 people in the room, but says mm-hmm. standing room only. Like I saw the pictures, the evidence there was standing room only. I think right. that's, that's tremendous, but it also speaks to the information that um, you and your brother um, are bringing to our industry. What were some of the key insights or things that had you going, oh, okay, yeah, this is a good conversation. We need more of this. What were some of those things that you took away from uh, MRC? Well, there were, you know, just going on to this concept of removing forms from websites. You know, we've talked about this for years, but now what was interesting was, is you had a couple people, a couple speakers that have have now have the data. Like they've, Mm. they removed forms two years ago you know, a year and a half ago. So now they're saying, you you know, versus I was doing a presentation with a group that I'm working on, but we're in the middle of it. Like we're only three months in. So we wanted to share the, you know, it's not all rosy. You know, sometimes it's conferences like all these numbers are up there and everyone's like, wow, right. it's so great. I, we were talking about the good, the bad and the ugly. And so it was a great bookend to be able to have data to say, we're on now our people coming back after doing it the first time, expecting it and expecting it to be better. And then we also had that. So I think that was a great conversation. And because it was very tactical in all of these, people had a lot of great takeaways. Uh, two was data. That was really big, not just data privacy. As we, It was funny because right at the very last uh, panel, we, we saw the news come out that the FTC pushed those right. things out another six months, of course. And then, you know, GA4 got kicked <laughs> out for another year. So everyone's going, yeah. of course, who knows? But I think it still had the idea of one data privacy. What do we have to do? How do we start sharing data between vendors without having personal information? So this idea of the CDP, you know, you know, the customer, you know, data platform and, you know, how do we clean up our data? You know, there was at our CXO. Uh, summit with uh, dealer groups that are 10 plus before MRC, there was someone who's, who was shared it and then said, you know, we went and cleaned up our data. They went to a large data, you know, aggregator said, here's our, they're, they're a very large group, you know, like millions of records and probably 25% were either dead, old, or collapse down to that single record, right? So it's mm. Michael Cirillo, Mike Cirillo, M Cirillo, right. Right? right? And all of a sudden we're going, no, you have three records. That's that one person. Let's collapse it down to have a super. It's like doing family history work. <laughs> exactly. But they then said, so the concept was for them was this isn't, yes, you could go into your DMS and CRM and what do you do with this clean data? But they were looking at ad saying, this is my clean marketing database. So moving forward, but then this is where the CDP and all of this idea of 
how do we keep that data updated and fresh? So if I send it out to someone and give it to you, right? How is, how are you sending signals back to update that record, right? So if it's to an email campaign, the results of the email blast and did you open it? Did you click links now are attached mm-hmm. to that, that data? right to your record. So same thing. Now, all of a sudden, I have this database that's clear, but signals are coming back. So started talking about that with some of the the uh, vendors out there that are dealing with this and building this for dealers. So that was great. Uh, and then I think one of the other topics that I thought was really fascinating was this idea of the manufacturer and dealer connection. So we had a panel with Southeast Toyota and Toyota talking about SmartPath and their vision of the tool that they're building. Uh, and then we also had a gentleman from Audi. And so again, both of them have gone down the, down the path of we're not forcing one tool on you yet. Right. So some would say right. that Stellantis was like, ah, here's eShop or Chevy or GM doing a shop click drive. Whether you like right. it or not, here's your tool or Nissan with at home. And so dealers were saying, you're pushing this on me. Now, I, what I loved about the gentleman from Audi said, we are all very focused on our customer experience and we are working with all of our dealers to say that's the experience we want to get to we are all going to get there you are going to get there with us but along the way whether they're going to build the tool i think they said down the road they're working on it but they said here's the three or four tools you can use so they basically went to the vendors of the digital retailing or those tools and would say if your tool can't do this you can't be in in the group that I'm going to recommend, right? So it became very clear that I'm going to put the guardrails up. You can use these four, eight tools, whatever number it was, to get to that experience. Now, eventually, we may be building a tool and, and swapping it out. But in the meantime, very similar to what Toyota did, said, we're not forcing SmartPath because it's not built yet. Eventually, it will. They warned them. It could be a year, could be two years, could be three years. But along the route, it still was focused on how we're, we're, we're delivering that experience. And the gentleman from Southeast Toyota, that, that the one layered on top of this was the responsibility of the manufacturer, or in their case, that tier type, I, I want to call it Southeast Toyota is a, you know, a group of helping implement this. What they're realizing is we can tell you what we want. We can show you what you want. We can give you the tool. But if we're not willing to commit to help you implement this, then shame on us. This is from the manufacturer. Shame on us that we we shouldn't then turn around and go, oh, Michael, you're you're horrible. You're not performing because we didn't help. And I think that's just right. a great uh, that, that spread across the whole conference, no matter what we were talking about is implementation is not a one-time thing that implementation and training. If you want those results, you have to be there with them out of the classroom, out of the email, out of the video in there, into their environment to say, here's how we do it. So those were some of the uh, main things that were, uh, talked about. Um, don't rub it in at all because <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I could be there. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, Glenn, how can those listening uh, learn more about you, your events, PCG, um, and connect with you? Uh, great. Thank you. So uh, for me, I'm on social media. Um, 
just Glenn Pash with two N's. LinkedIn is where I hang out a lot for business. So there I'm on Twitter a lot. So those are two places you can reach out to me. Uh, PCGdigital.com is for the agency. And then if you're looking for our events or our consulting, that would be under the BPE or Brian Pash Enterprises. So just go to Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Pash.com and you can get access to all of those. And, and, and like you said, we'll be at NADA in January. And then our conference, the, the one in the spring in May is moving out of Napa and moving to Austin. So we're expecting uh, to be able to even grow that a little bit larger as well. A lot of folks have said, oh, I can't wait to go to Texas. So very excited about that as well. Amazing. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.